0: today we are continuing the series and we are talking about prayer um, Jesus says prayer as the title of the series actually is um, and I thought what better way to start a message on prayer than to actually uh, pray so let's just um, bow our heads father we come before you Lord and um, We just lay everything at your feet, Lord. We ask that you speak, Lord, and that um, you hide me, Lord, and that you um, say everything that you want to say, Lord. You know what every single person is going through and um, what people need to hear. We pray that you convict, we pray that you challenge, and we pray that you speak tonight, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Can I just say, honestly, like, I think, the time that I have had spent preparing this message through throughout the last couple of weeks, my personal prayer life as I've been studying and looking at different things has really shifted. And I feel like that happens every time I, I sort of remind myself of different things in prayer. And hopefully we'll tackle some of those things today to refresh our mind, to um, perhaps get a little bit more understanding and um Knowing what prayer is, how to do it, and um, get who this person that we are praying to as well. Um, so yeah, let's um, begin. And I, I want to ask, I want to begin by asking us a question, and that is, what motivates you to pray? Because a lot of the time, it's not actually the good times that make us pray. Usually, it's things like fear, like pain, suffering, sadness. And the thing that hinders us most from praying is sin in our lives. Is sin in our lives. And sometimes we come to God and we think, oh, he's not listening or, you know, what I ask just won't happen. But at the end of the day, it is sin that is impacting that sin is the barrier to your communication with Christ. Because you see, when you have ongoing sin in your life, you're not very likely to come before a God that is holy to pray before him. Unless you are willing to lay down those sins and get right with God, there will no longer be that barrier. And he's broken that barrier through his death on the cross and giving us his Holy Spirit. There is no barrier, but we build up our own barriers between us and Christ with those little sins. So, I want to start off by, 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 by talking about and understanding who we are actually praying to. Because prayer is of huge importance to a Christian's life. But firstly and most importantly, we need to start becoming aware of who we are speaking to during prayer. We'd like to refer to God as a friend and a father. And yes, he is a friend. And yes, he is a father. But he is also the Lord God Almighty. Luke 4, to 35, and this is when Jesus was in Galilee, says this. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The demon threw the man down before them all and came out without entering him. And this is a really interesting story because Jesus here commands the spirit to be quiet. And that's not only because he didn't want to make himself known in that way at that um, specific point, but it was also because these demons have no right to use the name of Jesus. For us, the ability to even use that name Jesus is actually a privilege for us. When you come before God, do you actually understand who it is that you are coming before, who you're coming to speak with? And I'm sure when we, um, to flip it to another point, I'm sure when we read our Bibles, we see that a lot of the time it talks about, you know, men of God. It says, you know, this, this person was a man of God, men of God in different areas. Or a pastor even being today called a man of God they are called that because God is the most important thing in their lives their focus they focus on God more than anything else in their lives and we too in our lives are supposed to be called men and women of God to focus on God above all other things because if you look at the bible and the gospel you see that the people that God used to spread the gospel the people God used for great movements for his glory weren't people who were intellectually sort of the best or the highest, but they were people who were dedicated in prayer. And I believe that that truly there is a hope for our church, that we can be a people that cause a change in the world by becoming people of prayer. And that starts with you being on your knees in your bedroom where no one else is looking, where it's just you and God. Let's understand the person we are coming before. Because technically speaking, he should be the person who rightly so ends our life due to our sins. In Psalms 103, 10, it says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. But instead, this God that we worship, he gave us life. and always remember, And always remember, yes, you can call him Abba, Father, But always remember that he's holy and deserves our respect. Come humbly before Christ. Because it's it's of huge importance that we learn humility before Christ. Maybe our prayers aren't being answered due to this pride that is within us. And sometimes we can think, I'm not a prideful person or I don't have that area in my life. But is that you just making that statement or like, Thinking that about yourself or are you coming before Christ and telling him cleanse me from the inside out from all the things that I'm struggling with because you may think one thing about yourself but God may see something else that needs to be changed and completely renewed sometimes you can think that you have everything under control and for example you can say to yourself things such as you know I'll finish my degree in a few years I'll then find a partner, I'll then get a job, I'll get a pay rise, I'll have kids, I'll do this, and I'll get a house and so on. But when you think that way, you you won't find a need for Christ because you've already planned your whole life. But when our standards come to falling short, you will come to God and ask him, why did you do this? Why, God? Why me? But we are to humbly submit our lives to God in every single way. And you see, we live in a very interesting time at the moment, in a time of controversy and and, and lots of opinions. And I genuinely believe there is coming a time in our generation when each one of us will have to face difficulty and perhaps even persecution. And if our generation doesn't come humbly before Christ, we will not be able to stand. Come humbly before Christ. My next point is that prayer cultivates relationship. And I want to begin by saying in this point that if you're a person with limited knowledge of the Bible, but spend consistent time in prayer, you'll be useful for the kingdom of God. But if your Christian life doesn't include prayer, you must be aware what that actually means for you. Because we like to say things like, um, we want to be useful for Christ, But if you're not spending time in prayer, you won't be useful, or at least not as useful for Christ. And there are two types of people. There are those who know God biblically very well, but don't spend much time in prayer. They just grow in knowledge. Then there are those who spend a long time praying, but don't actually know who God is through the Bible. There are more people than that, but I just want to use these two points. And to summarize these two people, I, wa- I want to share with you a quote by Paul Washer that I found really fitting for these two illustrations that we're going through. And he says this, he says, Christianity is much more than doctrine, but it's not less than doc- doctrine. Christianity is much more than doctrine, but it's not less than doctrine. And what he means by that is that your relationship Is not only cultivated through the reading of the word, but it's also cultivated through prayer. God is a relational God who doesn't just want you to be well informed. He wants you to know the person you are informed and are informing about. Our relationship is cultivated through prayer. And if you're a person who grew up in church, you would have been told, you know, you should be praying every single day. But as you grow older, your prayer life must be based must be based on biblical understanding of who God is. Personally, in my life, the more um, I spend time with Lydia, um, the more we argue about who stole certain phrases from the other person. And it's also the same in all of our lives with whatever and whomever you spend a lot of time with. And it should be the same with Christ. The more I spend... Time studying the word, the more I sound like Jesus. So tonight, maybe you only know God relationally and maybe you only know him intellectually, but it's time that you align those two together and spend time in prayer daily because true prayer and reading of the word will will help you in your growth and your understanding of who God is. The more you read and the more you pray, the more you pray, the more you're actually going to have to remember biblically, historically, and even personally in your own lives. And that's going to make you confident as well in your prayer life. And thankfully, we have a God who's actually willing to listen to us. We don't just come before um, a stone-like creature who doesn't actually hear us, but there is a give and take in the relationship. Luke 18, 1 to 7 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for the people, what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust uh, judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, Will he find faith on earth? And what Jesus is saying in this, um, he's saying that you don't need to beg God to hear you. If this unrighteous judge, judge listens and did what the woman was actually requiring, will not a righteous and perfect God listen to you from the very first time you come to Him? The ears of God are always open to His children, and it's truly incredible that we have access to the creator of the universe. Imagine with me if I had the phone number to Scott Morrison, for example. And I think that would be pretty handy in this day and age, or at least in this moment. And many people perhaps might think that's pretty cool that I have his number. Many people want to see change in the world. But that doesn't come through having access to important people in high places. It comes from being connected to the author of life, who we have direct access to, who is always ready to hear and answer our prayers. Our strength is prayer. And because our strength is prayer, and because we have a God who listens, when you have those sleepless nights, when you're overwhelmed with perhaps anxiety and the weight of the world, feels really heavy on your shoulders, come to Christ in prayer. And you know something that will happen in that moment when you dedicate your tough times towards Christ, Satan will do everything in his power to stop this moment. You see, every trial that you will face in life is God revealing your weakness, your inability, and to bring you towards the source of life. You thought that because of those trials in your life that God was punishing you or allowing you to suffer. But what if, because of those, he just wanted to bring you to your knees before him and the only way to highlight your weakness was to to show that you are in need of a saviour, you are in need of a God. And don't let that weakness of who you are overpower you because Christ will reveal your weakness and walk with you, but he won't walk for you and Satan will come in and tell you well hey everyone's weak like you except that you're a you're a weak human being except that you're a weak person you see he comes in with half a truth that yes you are weak but he won't tell you that you are in need of Christ he will tell you to run away from Christ but thanks to what Jesus did on the cross again he gives us the holy spirit and has always allowed relationship with hum with weak human beings in his sight in moments of weakness run to christ not away from christ and in all circumstances regardless of what the reason may be we must come before 1st Thessalonians 5 16 to 18 says rejoice always pray without ceasing Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And to give some, to give some context to um, this verse, here we have the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the Thessalonian uh, Christians. And in the days that he was actually writing this, it was in the days of uh, Rome. And I understand you may look at Australia at the moment and think it's all doom and gloom, and it's a horrible time. But it was much worse back then. Christians were dominated, Christians were persecuted, they were controlled in very abusive ways. And in the midst of all of their struggles, we have Paul telling them here that um, the church is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. You see, we like to give thanks when we receive something or at the end of something. But Paul is saying, in the midst, of something. You are to give thanks. You are to give thanks always, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We are constantly giving thanks. We're supposed to pray through the journey rather than just at the destination. And an example of this is um, when David was actually going to fight Goliath, when he first came into the camp. The um, Israelites were in fear and they were trembling But David's reaction was really beautiful. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And essentially, at that point, David is saying, what do you mean we can't defeat this guy? That's also how we are supposed to be reacting. We say, what do you mean it can't be done to people who question that, whatever that may be in your life? What do you mean it can't be done? That's our reaction But the only reason you are able and you're going to be able to react that way is because you wrestled with God before you entered into the battle. Come to God before your battles so that when you see the battle is here, you are already ready. Don't just pray after or during the journey, but you are to be praying before the journey even begins so that you are equipped and ready. Pray without ceasing. It means it's continuous. It's a reoccurrence of what's happening. And an exam, a simple example of that is, you know, you wake up in the morning, you ask God to bless your day. As you are driving to work, um, pray about the people in your life. When you arrive at work, thank God for the safe trip. And during work, when perhaps you have a difficult conversation with someone, pray for wisdom. Pray for that person. It's ongoing. It's nonstop. It's a conversation. Praying without ceasing means it's a way of life. And as we said, we usually pray in these difficult times when difficulty strikes. You lose your job, you're financially struggling, you lost your home, your family's sick. That's when we feel like praying naturally. When does God have your attention? Because he doesn't usually have it when you're busy and going about your daily life. We are to pray without ceasing in all circumstances. And how do we pray? Matthew 21, 21 to 22 says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to the mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Trust. We have to trust to have effective prayers. We must trust in God, not only to trust in his power, but to also trust in his purpose, his promise, his plan, and his will for our lives. Trust that he knows better than you do. You see, when the the disciples came before Jesus um, to teach them to prayer, he said this in in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. And this is, I'm sure most of us know this, it's the Lord's Prayer. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first three parts of that prayer can simply be translated into something that is really beautiful. And that can be translated into whatever honours, your name, whatever advances your kingdom and whatever accomplishes your will. And that's how we really pray. And to continue on from the Lord's prayer in verse 14 is very important um, to take it down a different route as well. This is just the the next verse straight after it says, "For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Before you actually come to Christ in prayer, you should v- forgive others so that you can be forgiven. And what I mean by that, it's not forgiven as in the day of your repentance. No, that's different. And to explain this further, it's when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, he says in John thirteen ten, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, their whole body is clean. Perhaps you are saved, but have sin in your life that is hindering you from intimacy with Christ. Your usefulness for Christ and by Christ could be dependent on your forgiveness of someone else. Matthew 18, 21 to 35 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, And I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled his debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found out that one of his fellow servants, who owed a hundred silver coins, he begged him and began to choke. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went to tell the master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until should pay back all he owed this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart how can God forgive a wicked man or a wicked woman such as ourselves and you not forgive someone else we're supposed to be imitators of Christ as we say you can't accept the full forgiveness of God and be unforgiving to someone else So I want to challenge us that next time you go to pray, examine yourself. Do you need to forgive someone? Because simply put, you either hold the grudge or you have your prayers answered. My next point is um, also a really important point for us tonight. And that is focusing on God's desires as we pray. Sometimes we come to God and ask him a whole bunch of different things and walk away not really expecting an answer, and that's false prayer. Your prayer must stem from a relationship with Christ to understand who you are speaking to, because false prayer always asks God for my desires and my wants. There's nothing wrong with your desires being conversed with God, but pray for his will in your life, not your own will. James 4, 1 to 3 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Maybe the reason you have unanswered prayer is because you ask to receive your own desires. You see when Jesus was teaching about prayer, he was teaching that it's about his honor, about his kingdom and about his will, not ours. Therefore our prayers must be in line with His plan, His will, his kingdom, his honor, and his purpose. First John 5:14 to 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If it's according to his will, he hears us. Is your prayer in accordance to the will of God or according to your will? In order to be praying along with God's desires, you must first believe and trust that what he has in store for you is better than your own. Building the relationship allows you to be accepting of his will because God doesn't force his will, but he requires your acceptance of him. And some of us don't pray for certain things because we know that God won't give us what what I want. And usually, if you know that God won't allow you to have this, then that's even more of a reason to pray for. God's will for you is perfect. And our view of perfection is very different from his view. Perhaps you want to open a business, but God doesn't... Perhaps you want to open a business, but... um, God wants you to sell all of your possessions. Therefore, you won't come and pray before God about it because it doesn't line up with your plans. If you truly want to submit... God's will, you have to submit absolutely everything to him, whether that's your wealth, your health, your um, relationships, your everything has to go towards him, and what he says goes, and not in a dictatorship type of way, but in a submissive way that understands that his plan is better. Philippians 1.12 says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace God, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to, to proclaim the gospel without fear. Before you pray, be aware that as you pray for God's will, Your life could look similar to Paul's in this verse. What if Christ wanted you in prison to advance his kingdom? But we are to trust God. And verse 14, I'll read that again. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And the word confident here appears as trusting in different translation. Trust the Lord, trusting the Lord that it's not going to be necessarily easy. But trusting in the Lord will bring glory to his kingdom that will have an outpouring effect on others. God is going to use your testimony as you trust him for the sake of advancing his kingdom. And a lack of trust in God leads to a lack of impact for his glory in his kingdom. First Peter 4.19, it says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. While doing good, while going about your life, trust, even if that is suffering, trust, even if that is the good, happy times, trust. Mark eleven twenty-three to 24 says, Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Bear with me, we're nearly done. Here, Jesus isn't literally speaking when he's talking about the mountain um, for it to be moved. It's a principle, an analogy, and you have things like the um, the word of faith movement these days, where it's all about you know your faith can change this, your faith can do that, but that's not true. Your faith activates God's power. It's not about you; it's about Him. It's like it's like that person who does no work on a group assignment but still gets the results. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? He is in control and holds all the power and all the authority within the framework of his purpose. Faith isn't the power. Faith is the open hand that receives the power from God. And referring to to verse 24, you must ask in order to receive. God wants to hear you. Yes, he knows what you're going to ask, but he wants to hear you ask for it. Matthew 7 7 to 11 says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks to receive, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, um, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask. Ask. Ask God. We are required to ask. And believe you have already received it. Again, it's not about your desires. It's about your desires lining up with God's. And that's through relationship. You are asking for things that he desires, not through your fleshly desires. You see, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Father, take this cup away from me. And that was the wrath of God that he was praying about. But the line afterwards is really beautiful and ties everything that we've said together. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. The Lord understands your cries. The Lord understands your cries of perhaps healing for your future, for your children. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, work, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. No matter what your situ- situation looks like, God will use it for good. You can pour out your heart and chat about everything with God. But in the end, you should always say, yet not my will, but yours be done. And lastly, I would just love for us to develop this, this passion for prayer. To focus on his desires, you will become more passionate and more focused on your prayer. You see, I can I can come here and having prepared and, and trying to have the most polished um sermon that I can. But if you're not preparing in prayer before this sermon, it, it, it's worthless, it's nothing. It's not eloquence of speech, it's not nice structure of words that move someone. That's the Holy Spirit's job and not. Uh, not yours or mine. We're to be on our knees praying and allow God to use us for his glory and you see we always say that we live in a in a in a really difficult time and it's only going to get worse until kind of the rapture happens and sure, this world may become more evil but that doesn't change your life's purpose. We have a job to let God's name be glorified in all places And yes, you might be thinking that's evangelism and that's done through evangelism. But most importantly, it's done through prayer. Prayer powers evangelism and even prayer on its own has the power to change. How often are you on your knees truly desiring for perhaps all of those who you know to be saved? Our prayers need to change from something such as God help me to graduate to God Until I graduate, help me to reveal you to all of those who I interact with. Like we say, pray without ceasing. It's not just about mumbling some prayer, but that prayer is always on your mind in all situations. It becomes a habit. And overall, and lastly, I want us to understand that every time we miss reading the Bible, we're in trouble. Every time we miss praying, we're in trouble and every time you hear the gospel and do nothing about it, we're in trouble and tonight if you're trying to flee from God and his presence, he's welcoming you back with open arms and wants you to come rightly before him. Don't just pray after and during the journey but pray before the journey even begins. Pray without ceasing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you don't change, Lord, that even though our lives may change, our circumstances may go up and down, and that we might think we live in a really difficult time at the moment, Lord, but our purpose on earth doesn't change. You don't change, most importantly, and we should be coming before you daily, Lord. And We pray that tonight, um Anyone who's struggling, Lord, with their prayer lives, we pray that you restore them tonight, that you breathe afresh upon them um, and that you welcome back with open arms, Lord. Father, we um, thank you that you're a good God and even though we, we fall short of the standard every single day, you still love us and you still chose to die for broken people who are, who are weak, Lord. But we thank you that you see us differently and your lens of love doesn't change. Lord. Thank you for who you are, and we pray um, for our congregation that you be with us, Lord, and that you um, help us in our journeys of prayer, Lord, to pray without ceasing, to be in constant uh, time of prayer and in relationship with you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.